welcome to the print pod i am apurva mandhani assistant editor with the print and today i'm going to bring you the podcast version of my article victim or criminal how law finds itself in knots when a battered woman kills her abuser now the article begins with a line from simran 32 years old whose name has been changed she says he would often touch me inappropriately tear my clothes and insert his hands inside my clothes Simran was recalling the one and a half years of abuse inflicted by her father. Her father is now dead. Simran has been accused of killing him almost a decade ago. So what happens when such a victim retaliates? The law on accepting battered women syndrome as a legal defense in India is still at a nascent stage with courts not sure of whether to call such women criminals or victims. According to the National Crime Records Bureau data, crime against women rose by 15.3% to 428,278 cases in 2021 from the previous year. The National Family Health Survey data shows that and I quote, sexual violence is most often committed by individuals with whom women have an intimate relationship, unquote. Among married women, 82% reported husband and 14% named ex-husbands as perpetrators of sexual violence. Among the unmarried, the most common perpetrators, 39%, were other relatives. Father or stepfather was mentioned by 4% respondents. Now, Simran's mother had died in 2010. Her two elder sisters were married and Simran, who was the youngest, used to stay with their family in a Delhi locality. She claimed that her mother's death triggered a series of incidents that changed her life forever. She alleged that her father often abused her sexually and no amount of resistance worked. She told the print, I had so much anger filled inside me. As per the prosecution, Simran's father was killed with a cable wire, glass pieces and a cricket stump. She spent four years in Tihar jail before she was granted bail in 2018. Her case is being heard by a Delhi court. Meanwhile, courts are slowly reading the syndrome into the existing defense of provocation and have also come up with their own version of a BWS or battered women's syndrome called Nalatangal syndrome. However, experts stress the need for more clarity on the subject from law and the courts, as well as the need to address the more systemic challenges related to domestic violence that actually push women to either kill themselves or abusers. Now, let me answer the question, why don't women just leave such abusive relationships? Now, in Netflix movie Darlings, Vijay Verma's character Hamza asks Alia Bhatt's character Badru and he says, and I quote, I know I'm flawed, but my love is not. Why would I abuse you if I didn't love you? Why would you take it if you didn't love me? Unquote. He asked her that when she tried to file a police complaint against him, Hamza, an alcoholic, physically abused Badru at nights. In the mornings, he was remorseful, charming and full of affection. The psychological theory of battered women's syndrome also finds roots in this cycle of abuse. This theory explains three distinct phases, uh, which are a tension-building phase with verbal fights, a violent phase and a honeymoon stage during which the abuser is apologetic and even affectionate towards the victim. It also answers the question why women choose to kill abusive partners instead of simply leaving them. The theory says that the cycle of violence often leads to learned helplessness in which women believe they are in a hopeless situation over which they have no control and consider the death of the abuser as the only way out. 
Barkha Bajaj, founder director of Ux Foundation, who specializes in trauma, gender-based issues, and grief work, explained that BWS is actually a response to acute and long-term exposure to trauma. She said, and I quote. At the core of any abusive relationship is power and control, and this can happen in any dynamic. Unquote. She said, when a person lives in a situation of domestic violence or abuse or any other kind of trauma for years, their body goes into a freeze response and collapses. She also said, and I quote, that is the body's way of coping with what is happening. So dis- dissociation, depersonalization, derealization, these are all the things that can happen to someone suffering from domestic violence. I think people imagine things are just very healthy and that they have a lot of agency and that they can just walk out. It's not really like that. Unquote. Now let me take you through another such story. Twenty sixth January two thousand six was a usual day for Manju, who lived in the labor quarters of Assam's Kapur Tea Estate with her husband Bhadra Lakra and their children. But everything changed when Bhadra returned home drunk in the night and beat Manju with a lati as he would often do. However, that day Manju snatched the lati and repeatedly struck Bhadra with it. He died of his injuries in the early hours of the next day. The High Court described Manju as one of those Indian housewives who confront and suffer day in and day out unprovoked acts of domestic violence. It then asked whether her act was sinful or was she just a victim of the circumstances. While the trial court convicted Manju for murder and sentenced her to life imprisonment, the Guwahati High Court held her guilty for culpable homicide under Section three zero four Part two of the Indian Penal Code. Instead, it also reduced her jail term to five years rigorous imprisonment. In India, Section three hundred of IPC defines murder and lists down five exceptions, including grave and sudden provocation and private defence, which lay down the situations in which a culpable homicide is not classified as a murder. Unlike death or life imprisonment for a murder, the punishment for culpable homicide is divided into two parts under Section three hundred and four. Part one says that if the accused causes bodily injury to the victim with an intention to cause death or with the intention to cause any such bodily injury as would likely cause death, then punishment will be life imprisonment or a maximum of ten year jail term. Part two comes into play when death is caused by doing an act with knowledge that it is likely to cause death. This is punishable with a maximum of ten year jail term. Therefore, culpable homicide not amounting to murder is usually considered a lesser offence as compared to murder. While convicting Manju for a lesser offence, the High Court opined that she actually just wanted to put an end to the continuing violence of her husband, and so she felt that nothing short of putting an end to the life of her husband would be a solution. The court therefore felt that her continued violence would fall under the exception of grave and sudden provocation. Now, regarding trauma responses, Bajaj explained that such abusive situations are like pressure cookers. Sometimes the pressure will build up to a point where either they can harm themselves or they can take it out on the abuser. Several judgments in India have dealt with cases in which the women took the second recourse. In such cases, the Nalathangal syndrome is often considered as the Indian version of the battered women syndrome. In 1989, the Madras High Court came up with this Nalathangal syndrome, referring to the Nalathangal ballad in Tamil, which it said narrates the tribulations of a rich lady reduced to an unbearable misery and who committed suicide along with her seven children. In this 1989 Madras High Court case, the accused Suyam Bukkani from Nammal Barpet got married at 19 to a barber in a neighboring village in Chennai. 
the description of their marriage narrated by the high court was of physical emotional and financial abuse by her alcoholic husband Sayambukani alleged that her husband would beat her often he even ordered her not to meet her mother or brother and barred them from coming to their house as well she alleged that in june 1983 her husband beat her in the morning on 26 june after an argument then again in the evening and then in again in the morning on 27 june but she was determined to not let it happen again on 28 june she was found along with her two infant sons aged 2 years and 10 months in a well in the neighborhood her sons had died the trial court convicted her for double murder in march 1984 however the high court narrated the build up to suyambokani's actions to explain how she decided to follow the nalathangal way it then quashed her conviction for murder and held her guilty under section 304 part 1 instead it also reduced her sentence from life imprisonment to jail term already undergone by her essentially setting her free Now the BWS concept sprung into the public eye with the Kiranjit Aluwalia case which also formed the basis of the movie Provoked. Aluwalia's case led to UK and US psychiatrists establishing the diagnosis of battered women syndrome. Canadian courts all have also recognized the defense and accept expert testimony for jurors to understand and determine the actions of such women. Now provocation is one of the most commonly used defenses by an abused victim in a murder case. Under the existing law grave and sudden provocation is an exception under section 300 of the IPC which can reduce the offense from murder to culpable homicide over the years grave and sudden provocation was ruled to include sustained provocation holding that even a series of acts over a period of time could cause grave and sudden provocation so in the madras high court judgment the court opined that suyambukani's act would fall within the exception of sustained provocation In another 2014 order the Madras High Court granted anticipatory bail to Amutha who was charged with killing her daughters after a failed suicide attempt recognizing battered women syndrome expressly the court said Amutha killed her daughters due to sustained provocation however experts have explained that even in cases of sustained provocation there should be no lapse of time between the offense and the last provocation as against provocation which is a partial defense private defense is a completely justifiable defense and can lead to uh, acquittal and not just a reduction in sentence however it has never been successfully deployed in india in case of an abuse victim being compelled to kill supreme court lawyer mrinal kamwar explained that on the face of it the defense of bws does not seem to fit into any of the existing defenses available under the criminal law she explained and i quote The exception of self-defense can be used only when reasonable apprehension of danger persists, which would not always be applicable in these cases because this would require the battered woman to have the reasonable apprehension that the batterer would immediately hurt her, which is not always the case. Unquote. She also pointed out that for self-defense to apply, the defender has to react proportional to the threat, and this may not work in case of a battered woman. As for the defense of grave and sudden provocation she asserted that it is available to the battered woman only when she has been deprived of the power of self control due to grave and sudden provocation by the batterer and she said that this also doesn't take into account the fact that most bws killings are due to sustained provocation and not sudden provocation so she said and i quote a woman who is battered does not need to be put behind bars for anything so that is why you need a specific law because the ipc didn't imagine these situations unquote the bws defense has also faced criticism for being outdated and for shifting the focus from a woman's 
objective rationality for preserving her life to being pigeonholed into being bad or partially mad meanwhile scholars demand addressing the more systemic issues accompanying domestic violence pointing out that it is a deeply socially ingrained phenomenon and battered women are trapped in violent relationships due to failed institutional responses bajaj said victims often face several impediments while trying to leave an abusive relationship she explained these include hurdles which begin from difficulty in reporting the crime and police insensitivity to lack of shelter home societal and familial support and cases dragging on for years is the same story again and again we are failing them failing our victims completely and then expecting them to have agency on their own to fight it bajaj told the print bajaj recalled that she had to move a survivor from one end of pune to another end because her husband would find her in any basti she was relocated to in response to the woman filing a case he put chili powder in her vagina bajaj then said and i quote he did that as a punishment he was angry that how dare she go to the police we had to move her 20 kilometers away so it's not like the perpetrator makes it easy for the victim to leave research shows violence will escalate highest when a woman tries to leave so the risk of trying to leave is also very high because violence can actually go up unquote as for simran she says that she did try to escape her father she claims to have gone to a gurdwara at least twice but she did not know where to go from there she also confided in her elder sisters Both her sisters confirmed to the police that Simran often complained about their father's behavior in their statements seen by the print they wrote that they tried to counsel their father and scold him one of her sisters told the court that Simran was mentally depressed she also accepted that while Simran wanted to lodge a police complaint she stopped her due to fear of relatives and close ones and for social stigma in his statement to the police her paternal uncle said Simran often confided in her sisters about her father's inappropriate behavior however nobody believed her he said in a statement submitted in may 2014 seen by the print now dressed in bright green salwar and yellow kurta with red and white bangles on both arms simran is now married she says with a tinge of sadness i really want to start living my life he is free but i am the one still struggling that's all i have for you this is apurva mandhani assistant editor with the print Do follow our website for more such stories.